Hello everyone, and welcome to Mr. O's History Class. Episode 4, European Societies Around 1492. Now that we've established an understanding of the lives of Africans and Native Americans, we will turn our attention to European civilization. At the end of the 1400s, the majority of European peoples lived in small towns and villages, very similarly to the African and Native American peoples, with their lives bound to the land and to ancient traditions. In European society, social hierarchy, or status in society, was based on rank. Monarchs, being the kings, queens, emperors, uh, and the like, as well as the nobles, the nobility, held the most power and wealth at the top of the society. At the bottom of the hierarchy were the peasants, the farmers, the farming class. This is the vast majority of people. Um, that nobility, that class of nobility and monarchy is very small. Major, vast majority of people who are living in Europe are peasants. Um, the nobles would offer land and military protection to the peasants in return for livestock and crops. And when necessary, uh, if the time called for it, by serving in the armies that those nobles would organize. It was almost impossible for people to move up the social ladder in European society. Most people would die in the same social class that they were born into. And for the most part, Europeans accepted their lot in life as part of a larger system um, being structured by God. Now... We've mentioned the lower class, and we've mentioned the upper class as far as Europe's social order is concerned. What about the middle? Is there one? Yes, there absolutely is. The middle class, more appropriately named the merchant class, could move up and down the social hierarchy because they were the ones who created, sold, and traded goods. Although a relatively small group when you compare them uh, to the nobility or the peasants, they made a significant amount of money, uh, which if you have a lot of money, you're, it's going to make you very valuable, especially as a source of tax revenue. The monarchs, the leaders of these different fiefdoms or makeshift countries at the time, are going to need that merchant class if they want to finance overseas exploration, expansion of their nation, anything like that. They need that money. Now, we talked about the family life of Native Americans as well as uh, Africans. Taking a look at the Europeans, the extended family did matter for Europeans, but not on the same level uh, as, say, the Native Americans. Europeans' lives revolved mainly around the nuclear family, the nuclear family being the mother, the father, and their kids. Just like in other cultures, the division of labor is broken down by gender. In the peasant families, because remember, they're the majority of people, um, the men would work in the fields and tend to the livestock, and the women would primarily handle child care and household management, including preparing and preserving food, making clothes, things of that nature. As far as religion is concerned, the Roman Catholic Church was the dominant religious power in Western Europe. Northeastern Europe was dominated by the Orthodox Christian Church, and southeastern Europe was under Islamic control with a large Orthodox population as well. The leader of the Catholic Church was the Pope, 
the Pope and his bishops, basically, you know, subsidiary religious leaders, determined what was allowed religiously and how the Bible, which is the holy book for Christians, is meant to be interpreted. The church told its followers to suffer their earthly existence to be rewarded with salvation in the afterlife as long as they followed the teachings and the guidance of the church. Religion was incredibly important in the lives of Europeans, but it was beginning to lose some of its influence in the 1400s. Now, what we need to do, we need to go back in time to make sure that we understand why the Roman Catholic Church begins losing power uh, and influence in society. It is going to be crucial to understanding the next chapter of the history that we're looking at. So right now we're in the late 1400s. Step into the time machine. Now we're in the 700s. In the 700s, Muslim armies had conquered huge parts of the Roman Empire, including North Africa and the Levant, which is modern-day Syria, Israel, Palestine, Jordan, etc., and they'd also conquered the majority of the Iberian Peninsula, which is modern Spain and Portugal. To regain the territory in the Iberian Peninsula, the Spanish Christians launched a war known as the Reconquista, or Reconquest uh, in English, against the Muslim armies. By 1492, the combined forces of King Ferdinand of Aragon, a region of modern Spain, and Queen Isabella of Castile, also a region of modern Spain, had finally pushed the Muslim armies off of, uh, off of the peninsula and back into North Africa. King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella had gotten married in 1469. After 700 years of religious war, Spain now stood ready to assert itself internationally and to spread Christianity around the globe. Queen Isabella is often more remembered than her husband, King Ferdinand. She'll be the queen who funds Christopher Columbus's uh, voyages to the Americas. And as co-ruler of Spain, she didn't just sit in the background and look pretty. She would stand up to the Pope, fight for her candidates to be put in positions of power in the church. And even if King Ferdinand was absent for whatever reason, she would be on horseback, fully armored, rallying her troops to fight hard in battle. When she would ride by, even, her troops would cheer, King Isabella, King Isabella, to show their respect for her, knowing that she really was there for them and she cared about them. So the Spanish fought to push the invading Muslim armies out of Spain and Portugal from 700 to, four, to the 1400s. During that same time, a massive series of wars are taking place in the eastern Mediterranean coast. They are... Wait for it. The Crusades. Bum, 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 bum. When Muslim forces conquered the Roman region of Anatolia, which is modern-day Turkey, the Roman emperor, Alexios Komnenos, sent a message from Constantinople to the Pope in Rome to call for military assistance in pushing the Muslim armies back. The Pope, Urban, is his name, Urban II, put out a call to all Christians of Western Europe to take up arms and march east to help liberate Christian lands, including the Holy Land of Jerusalem from the Bible. Jerusalem and the Eastern Mediterranean had all been territories uh, of Rome until they'd been lost to Islamic forces. These crusades would go on sporadically from 1096 all the way until 1270 AD. 
they will not succeed. The Crusades fail in reconquering the Holy Land. Although they did have some initial success, overall, they fail. Now, you could say, well, they failed, then why do they matter? Because they are going to lead to huge changes throughout Europe. First off, the Crusades increase European interest in trade with Asia. Because the Crusaders, the, the people who actually go into the, the Middle East to try to fight to take back the Holy Land, when they're there, they're seeing the riches of Asia. Um, they steal stuff from the Romans, from the Muslims, from the Jews who are there. They're taking all this stuff back to Europe. The Europeans, Western Europeans, I should say, want access to those goods. Preferably if they can get it through trade, great. You don't have to fight to get it. Also, due to the Crusades, remember we talked about the nobility. Remember the people, the peasants, they basically kind of lived and worked at the pleasure of the nobility. And then they had to go fight in the armies the nobility put together. That noble class had lost a huge amount of power. Sometimes just because a lot of them had died. <laughs> They'd gone into battle and a lot of them died. Um, and in other cases, because a lot of them had lost their wealth. They went in with a lot of money and they spent all their money on the war and it failed. So the, nobil the class of nobility in Europe is not what it was before the Crusades. They're far less influential. With weakened nobles, the monarchs, the kings, the queens, the emperors, they begin to consolidate their power in their kingdoms. The nobility is not in the way anymore to try to slow them down. So you see these monarchs gaining huge amounts of control over their territories. Um, and by doing this, this is going to give those monarchs the wealth and the power and the ability to fund exploratory voyages later seeking wealth and power for their nation. We also see as a result of the Crusades, the Pope losing a ton of prestige and influence due to the Crusades failing. Think about it. You have the leader of the Catholic Church calling for all this, you know, action, retake the Holy Land, and it's um, one of the sayings that was said is it was God's will, Deus Volt uh, in Latin. It's God's will to retake the Holy Land. And then it fails over the course of a couple hundred years. It, it didn't work. So a lot of people begin to question the Pope. They begin to question the Church. And where it really matters is you begin to see the monarchs question the Pope's authority. They start flexing their muscle. Because remember, they've already consolidated a lot of their power. The nobility's out of the way in a lot of these places. So you have more powerful kings and queens and emperors. And a Pope uh, or a papacy, uh, just the church itself, considerably weaker due to the Crusades failing. Due to power struggles throughout the 1300s and 1400s, we do end up seeing the monarchies of Europe gaining more power than the papacy. Papacy just means the Catholic Church. Disagreements over church authority are also going to lead to a movement known as the Reformation or Reformation, where the Catholic Church ends up splitting into, or well, one part stays Catholic, and the other group splits off, and they will be known as the Protestants. Look at the root word, protest. 
Protestants. That's the reason why they're called Protestants, is because they're protesting against the Catholic Church. This split is going to increase tensions between nations in Europe during the colonization of the Americas. And some of the new Protestant groups will end up heading to the Americas, seeking to set up their own society free from religious persecution from others. Now, during the 1300s, we're going to see multiple major events that are going to knock the Europeans so hard on their back. From 1314 to 1316, huge amounts of rain and disease are going to wipe out massive crops and livestock. This is going to cause thousands of deaths by starvation in the peasant class. In the 1340s, we're going to see plague uh, kill over 25 million people, which is about 25% of Europe's population. So take a moment. When numbers get big like this, it can you can it might not hit you that hard. 25% of Europe's population is going to die because of these plagues. One in four people. Think about like if you were in a, a stadium, you're at a Red Sox game or um, a Celtics game. Imagine that one in every four people in that stadium is dead. This is a lot. We're talking a catastrophic hit to Europe in terms of their population. And on top of all that, you also have huge wars going on through Europe, which is going to cause more death, more famine. Europe's not in good shape um, at this point. After the plague, though, we do begin to see Europe bounce back. There's a huge growth in population, and there's also going to be a massive increase in wealth. Again, going back to the Crusades, this is going to be why we see this. Um, like we said, the Crusaders basically give Western Europe a taste of the riches of the East, and Western Europe wants to trade with the Islamic world and the Asian world, seeking, you know, silk, porcelain, tea, fine rugs, spices, all that stuff, all the good stuff that you can get. And what we see is the naval power of the city-state, Venice, very, very quickly establishing a monopoly over trade with Asia. As trade increased, new trade routes opened, and that would lead to Europe becoming richer and richer and richer and even more powerful. By the end of the 1400s, Europe had recovered from the plagues, and business was booming. The end of the 1400s is when we see urban centers and cities in Western Europe begin to become major societal centers for the first time since the fall of the uh, sorry since the fall of the Western Roman Empire in the 400s it had been almost a thousand years since cities in Western Europe were what we tend to think of as a city today in terms of like super heavily populated areas now the people who are living in these cities, a lot of them are that merchant class. They're there because they're making money off of the increased trade. Those growing in wealth, urbanites, if you will, are going to end up seeking more political control in their countries or in their kingdoms, if you want to say that. With the monarchies growing in strength, because remember the nobility's out of the way, 
the papacy, the pope, and the church, they're losing power. With the monarchies growing in strength, we begin to see some of the modern nation-states coming into being. The monarchs are going to be taxing that growing middle merchant class to pay for armies and to secure those new trade routes. Central governments begin to have considerable power, and we see Portugal, Spain, France, and England coming into being in the late 1400s to be kind of where we recognize them as the way we would today. Those monarchies are going to be seeking new ways to gain overseas wealth and power to stay one step ahead of each other and to pay for their militaries. Now, we mentioned previously that the Crusades failed. They not only failed, but left a bleeding wound in the old Roman Empire. The original goal of the Crusades was to assist the Romans in retaking the territories they lost from the Muslims. They failed. And in one of the Crusades, the Crusaders attacked and conquered the Roman capital of Constantinople. The Romans would manage to retake it, but they were mortally wounded at this point. With the Romans slowly dying, the Ottoman Turks would finish them off by conquering the jewel of Christendom, Constantinople, in 1453, ending the Roman Empire's 2,000-year story. Now, why does this matter for our story? When this happens, many Romans are going to flee west to Italy, and they bring with them their scriptures, their religious texts, artwork, sculptures, and all of the ancient Greek and Roman texts that had been lost to the West. This influx of Greco-Roman literature and ideas is going to spark a rebirth, or in French, a renaissance in science and individualism in Western Europe. Remember we mentioned the Venetians, right? The naval power on the Italian peninsula who controlled trade between Europe and Asia. Because of them having that monopoly and with the Ottoman Empire growing in power, the nations of Western Europe began seeking new ways to trade with and reach Asia. The Portuguese are going to be the ones leading the way through the 1400s by sailing further and further down the coast of West Africa uh, until they eventually went around the southern tip of Africa in 1488. Remember, we talked about this in the last episode with the Portuguese reaching um, West Africa and establishing contacts with the West Africans. Now, while cartographers are redrawing their maps to show the route around Africa, an Italian sea captain named Christopher Columbus traveled from nation to nation with his own collection of maps and figures. Columbus believed that there was an even shorter route to Asia. He didn't think you needed to go all the way around Africa. You needed to go west across the Atlantic Ocean. In Spain, an advisor of Queen Isabella, remember this is the same Queen Isabella from before, riding around in armor, rallying her troops, standing up to the Pope. Uh, she's there for pushing the Muslims out of Spain. Queen Isabella has one of her advisors point out that supporting this proposed venture would cost less than a week's entertainment a foreign official. Isabella was convinced and summoned Columbus to appear before the Spanish court. 
and we will pick it up next time with all of the people we've been talking about colliding. Thanks for listening, guys, and stay curious.